that's all right for you That's all right now mama Any way you do But that's all right winner of the Iris Prize. Congratulations. Wow, that's, that's quite overwhelming. <laughs> Head to our website, then click on Festival. This is where you'll find and watch all of this year's films. Hello, welcome to the Iris Podcast. This year, we're all about Best of British. Welcome to opening night of the 14th Iris Prize LGBT Plus Film Festival. For nearly two decades, Emmanuel Anyamosigwe's obsession with diversity has won the hearts and minds of filmmakers and audiences alike. His blueprint for how minorities should be represented has stood the test of time, long before the penny dropped for other institutions far and wide that diversity truly matters. This year, as Buff marks its 15th anniversary, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Never has diversity been more relevant than in 2020. And as long as the issue remains in the public eye, Emmanuel has ensured that for creatives everywhere, the British Urban Film Festival is a broad church that welcomes all creeds and all colors, comfortable in its own skin and bold in its approach to storytelling and showcasing film as seen through the social and cultural lens. From BFM to Buckingham Palace, it's been quite a journey for the man who literally bet the house on making Buff the success that it is today.
Welcome everybody uh, to another online directors and producers panel from the British Urban Film Festival 2020. This is the documentary segment. We've had some fantastic documentaries submitted and will be screening as part of the festival on your online platforms as is the rest of the festival. Introduce yourselves, say where you're coming from and give us the quick two minute pitch about your film. Patrick, do you wanna go first? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so I am I'm Patrick, I'm the director behind In the Red, uh, which is a film about the Glasgow Tigers motorcycle speedway team. Uh, speedway is a sport that isn't really well known across the UK, but there's clubs in pretty much every major city across the UK, uh, and it's exciting. Um, and the documentary is basically all encompassing for the fans, the riders, the management, and is just sort of giving people a taste of, of what this sport is. Great. Stefan, over to you. Tell me about what you're up to. Um, I'm Stefan Pierre Mitchell, the director of my short documentary called Deleted. Um, Deleted is about um, a 59 years old man. His last five hours before he becomes homeless due to the bureaucratic system by the departments for works and pension and sort of covered, you know, from the time, the five hours before he left and a year later, you know, sort of catching up with him. Great. Divine, over to you. Tell me about the burn identity. I think you're on, I think you're on mute right there. Okay, there so my name's, my name's Divine Harrison. I was born in England, from London. My parents are from Ghana, West Africa, and I live in Switzerland in Bern, uh, capital city. That's where city. you are right now. Huh? That's where yeah. you are right now. That's where I, I am right now. Yeah, uh, it's the capital city of uh, Switzerland, and uh, the film is about the is about my identity and the questions that uh, being in this fairly conservative society has kind of forced me to ask myself. <laughs> not only about myself, but also about my mixed-race children who are growing up in this society. Intriguing. Danielle, over to you. So hi, I'm Danielle. I am 23 years old, from London, now living in Derby, and I am the director and producer of my film, Define Your Women of Impact, which is basically about five women of colour talking about personal experiences of overcoming various negative situations, whether it's through premature birth, um, growing up in a negative foster care system, uh, defining the odds of being in an education system as well. So um, through plagiarism and being accused that way and to now graduate with a first class honours and um, growing up in a, in a pastoral family and not being able to see parents every day. And um, being a journalist and a mother as well, how is it like being in a professional field as well as balancing being an everyday mother? So I just wanted to do that film just to show just everybody how women can have a voice, first of all, and also how Brilliant. we can defy the odds in various ways. Brilliant. <coughs> Finally, Shirley, tell me about Mini Dilly. All right, so my name is Shirley Malamed. I'm 27 years old from Tel Aviv, Israel. And um, my story began when I found like a box full of cassettes, mini DVD cassettes of myself when I was young. And uh, I, I used to, to picture my friends and uh, to direct films. And uh, now two years ago, I found them and uh, converted them and, and found myself, found my sexuality over there. So found my closet. Uh, so I made a documentary out of them that uh, is uh, quite successful and I'm working on a feature film based on the, this project. Fascinating, fascinating. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very interested how each of these stories came about, some very socially motivated stories, um, some very personal stories. Um, let's, let's start with Patrick. So how did you come across the idea to start to make a documentary about Speedway, you're absolutely right. I, I know Speedway, I grew up with Speedway racing. Um, but you're right, it's kind of an overlooked sport that, that, that has a fanatic following. And I guess it means a lot to communities as well. You know, Speedway towns identify as such. So how, how did that come about? How did you latch onto that as, as a subject for a film? 
yeah, well, I, I didn't know anything about Speedway myself. I'd been living in Glasgow for a few years and uh, I was filming for another project uh, in the north of Glasgow and I was driving through uh, an area called Postle Park, uh, which is, is quite deprived. And I just stumbled across uh, the Speedway Stadium um totally by accident and uh, i quickly googled it and um later on found out that they were racing that weekend so i went to a match and i just thought i can't believe i didn't know this was here in in my own city and uh, i spoke to a few people about it they knew nothing about speedway and so after a bit more investigation i thought there has to be a film made about this and um on top of that the club uh, a, like a month or two after I'd first discovered the club, they released a statement saying that they had uh, six-figure financial losses because not a lot of people were going to the club and it didn't look like there would be much of a future uh, for the club if not more people came to the sport. Uh, so that was really my, dis my, my decision made right there was the film has to be made and it has to be made now. Um, so that's basically what got me into doing it, really. And to what extent would you say the film is is about the sport and and to what extent is it insofar as the two are separable to what extent is it about the community and then the people that participate yeah i mean uh, the club itself runs off of volunteers and um it's all people who live in glasgow quite close to the stadium and if it wasn't there um in that particular area of glasgow as well if it wasn't in Pulso park I don't really know how many people would go mm. to that area or spend money in that area or try and lift it up in some way if this if the speedway didn't exist there anymore. Um, so the community is right at the heart of this story, and I tried my best to tell as many individual stories of the fans as I could, and just show how much speedway means to these people. It's it's the beating heart of their community, really, and. I don't know what those people would do if, if they didn't have that sport there. So, yeah, I tried my best to kind of show that as accurately as I could. Great, great. Stefan, so you're telling a story that on one level is a very, very deeply personal story, and it's about an individual, and it's, it's about a person that we come to know. Yet also it's, a, a, it's an indictment of the social structure. How, how did that come about for you, the story? Um... Mr. Siddiqui knocked on my door asking if I've got some food. And um, it was a neighbor across my street. And um, firstly, I, I was quite shocked how well-spoken he was. And, you know, he had this beautiful, long, white hair. Um, he's born in London, but he's got like Indian sort of background. Um, so he was very well-spoken. I was like, God, beg for food you know if you got mm. some milk i haven't got it was and i got to know him you know um you know back and forth and um it was the time that he was suspended from the departments for works and pension for i think about three months and then he extended to six months i think the whole uh, um, suspension and he pretty much said in the documentary that you know he lived on water and you know it was quite a difficult time and Chicken me, I know. I was like, um, "Do you mind if I sort of come in to your house, your five hours before you get evicted?" Because um, I wanted to see what it feels like, you know, those moments. And um, and so that's how I came across um, Mr. Siddiqui. Now, the choices of cinematography that I chose was not your very unconventional style, um, because prior to filming "Deleted," a homeless man, I remember, and I was in Jubilee Line, stopped me you know, if I've got change. And so I started having a proper conversation with him about his bag and everything. So at the end of our conversation, he took my hands and said, wow, thank you for looking into my eyes. People don't even do that no more. You're in five years, you're the first human to look into my eyes and stop me and have a proper conversation. And that stayed with me for a long time. Yeah. So when it came to this documentary, the first nine minutes of the film, I'm sort of playing with the camera. So you see his eyes, you see his mouth, you see his hand, but also kind of taking the audience, becoming the health center, the Departments for Works and Pensions, sort of, sort of, we are investigating him as you're watching him and his body language. I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And, and it's funny that one of the film critics saw it and I was like, oh my God, he actually saw what I was trying to do. Um, and so I try that, but also as he speaks, uh, it reminded me of that young gentleman on the tube when he said, no one looks into my eyes. So when he came to this film, the style, I said, wherever we're gonna scream, we're gonna go right into his soul and sort of listen to it because we don't tend to listen to people. Um, and so I focused on him and I tried my hardest to really dignify him, not to use those vulnerable moments, We, you know, because sometimes we yeah. do tend to and really pay that respect and let's just listen to what he has to say and know what some people will say or what other people will say. And that's how I came across Mr. Siddiqui. Brilliant, brilliant. And so it's through to, to offer him that humanity and, and that yes. respect as well, which, which yeah. is hugely important for, for, for a documentarist. Divine. Difficult. Oh, sorry, sorry, Stefan, one more thing. Yeah. Oh, it was just like saying the difficulty was so difficult, you know, the process and um, finding him on the street with no contact, but he had my contact. So yeah, it was, but I'll speak about yeah. it. Yeah. Divine. Yep. So a very personal story about identity, um, about, I guess, Swiss society and the immigrant experience and the black experience. How did you start to formulate the, the idea that your own experience could become a documentary in this way? Um, it was the, the most prominent thing that was happening in my life. It, it was just there. Yeah. And it was the easiest thing for me to do as well. And uh, the most um, inspirational thing for me to do. Um, it was even before my, my daughters were born, I was thinking about it. It was, um, I'm a creative person in many different ways, not just in film and music and, and writing and stuff. And I, it was just something that was always in the back of my mind. And when it came to me actually going to film school and thinking about a project that I was going to work on, and something that also would not be so disruptive because <clears throat> I could have chosen something that took me away from Switzerland or kept me in London or something. But I have two daughters and a partner and I, I wanted to keep the family together and, and, and not be too disruptive. And so this was the simplest thing for me to do. And it was just the most obvious thing for me to do as well. So that, that's, that, it was all consuming. Sure. And so sure. I just, I just got on with it. No, very, very powerful. So how would you, how did you start to craft a story from your experiences? Were there, you know, specific events or did you go kind of thematically or how, how did you start to get the detachment as a filmmaker to tell your own story? I, I just, I mean, one of the first things was a poster that I saw when I arrived in Bern. It was kind of like the first, within the first couple of years that I was in Bern, I couldn't really speak German at that point. And it was um, a picture of uh, uh, some white sheep kicking out a black sheep. And that was a... Uh, I remember the, the that, was, that was widely known, even outside yeah. Switzerland. I remember yeah. that. And it had um, some words attached to it. They were in German. I couldn't really, I didn't even bother thinking about what that meant. I just saw the picture and it kind of, and I was thinking that, that, that's, that seems really weird. Is, is that racist or what? And then I asked my partner what it meant and she gave me the insight and it was a political party who, who believed that, um, it was basically saying that um, criminal uh, immigrants who are criminals should be kicked out. But, um, the story was very, I mean, the, the image was a lot more powerful than, yeah. than that. And they knew it's it. Not, it's not a sophisticated bit of dog no. whistle there, is it? For no. Sure. And uh, so that was one aspect. There was just a day-to-day -day aspect of, 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 of being here in Switzerland, of taking my kids to school, of the imagery that I saw walking down the street. I was always trying to put myself in my, my children's um, position and seeing what they saw in society and what mm. and how that would shape the way they viewed their dad 
who was black and one of the only black people that they, they, they came across. And I was con constantly thinking that perhaps they're not going to really, see, there's, there's nothing positive that they can see out there. It's just, it's all on me to be as positive an image as I possibly can to them. But then when they go to school, they've got all these other influences that are going to, they're going to um, come across. Walking down the street, they don't see any black people in, yeah. in the uh, posters or on, even on TV. So, and what they do see are normally associated with charities like Oxfam, where uh, there's a black mm. person begging for something or, or, or other. And uh, all the images are very, very negative. And so it was just all these little different incidences, which I, I tried to film. And, and then I, the most difficult, challenging part of the, of, of the process was actually putting these pieces of the puzzle together to form a story with a, a yes. beginning, a middle and, and an end. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that's how it kind of, uh, became a documentary, a story that I was able to kind of slide. I, I don't think I was able to detach myself from it to actually no. create something. Understood. I was just totally in it the whole time. Understood. Um, I mean, we could talk, this, this is fascinating. And, and to, you know, to talk about Swiss society, we could talk all day. But just one fairly quick um, question on that. Has Black Lives Matter reached Switzerland? Because I perceived um, and you know, maybe the other filmmakers will comment on this as well. Um, but I perceived a definite shift in perception over the course of this year in black representation in cinema, in, in the arts, in journalism, in the news. Um, has it has it reached Switzerland? Absolutely, yeah. It's it's been um, there have been demonstrations just like anywhere else around the world. The striking thing is that most of the people in the in the crowds are are white, yeah. um, and uh, it was it's it's just it's definitely here, definitely present. Um, I am not really so politically engaged because of the the language barrier, um, but it's definitely it's definitely changed something, and people are very particular about being seen to be doing the right thing and so whether it actually has an impact deeper deeper in society i don't know mm. but mm. people want to be seen to be doing the right thing and um it's not all bad i mean switzerland is a, is a beautiful place i wouldn't have stayed here for 10 years if it if it was that bad it, it's a very beautiful place there are many people who are very progressive mm. and they want to change things um, but it's tough. It's tough because I'm, I was coming from the cultural melting pot, which is London, sure. where I don't even think about my colour, even though there's racism absolutely everywhere as in London as well. But I went from that cultural melting pot to a place where I started to kind of think, well, I, people are looking at me. I mean, I have to watch my behaviour. And I don't know whether this is, I mean, I don't know whether this is just me, my personality. I'm a bit of an introvert. And so I, I kind of examined myself. And so it affected mm. me a little bit more than others. I was more sensitive to it. But um, it, it, it has just been my experience. And I'm very clear in the, in the film to say that this is my experience. And everybody should actually um, explain or, or tell the world about what their experience is of Right. of this life that we we live so that we all get a clearer picture of what it is because it's not just one person's opinion it's everybody's opinion that that counts Absolutely. and when everybody contributes then we have a clearer picture of what we we are in absolutely brilliant thank you Divine. danielle i'd like to hop over to you how did you what what motivated you to start to tell this story? How did you find your, your participants and the women whose stories you were going to tell? How did that come together? Okay, so first of all, I wanted to do this film just, again, as a platform for women of colour especially, to just share our stories and be a voice. I really felt like at the time, um, I've had my sister and my friends who had all these unique stories and people in different industries who would tell me, um, you know, they're getting the roles or they're in the sort of like advertisements, but it's harder than you actually think. 
you know, it's very difficult to kind of break through, if that makes sense. So I thought, why not just do something just to create a platform for women of colour to share our stories. And again, um, we had my sister who was um, accused of plagiarism for writing um, a 10,000 word essay. And the teacher had decency to actually talking about stereotypes of what we just mentioned with the vine. She actually typed in every word that she that she wrote down yeah. and she couldn't find anything yeah. of plagiarism she made a fool of herself so again it's about using those stories of us going through those hardships and personal experiences to where we are now my friend again Keely she grew up in a negative foster care system where her mother was really abusive towards her as well and um, again she's now an advocate for change working for MPs to change the foster care system and she's actually written a book about it as well, which is really lovely from where she's coming from to now actually working to change foster care system for young people to get the care that they deserve and need is inspiring. So again, it's how we can turn our, our painful experiences into hope, really, and, and power. And um, that's what you yeah. see through this film. And that's why I wanted to do it, just to not only be a platform for us women of colour to share our stories of hope, but also just be a represent representation of... Um, yeah, the everyday stereotypes of, of yeah. black women, I guess, in society today. So, yeah. in a nutshell, sure it's from what you're saying. It seems that the stories are those of women that have overcome yeah. intrinsic problems, and and you know those problems, be that prejudice. Um, mm -hmm. I think, to what extent would you say you know prejudice or racial prejudice is a, a dominant factor in, in the problems that these women have had? It's Not that I want to concentrate on that. We'll talk about their successes in a minute, but yeah. I'm just interested in, in where you took it as a filmmaker and what your perception was. Okay. Where are these I, challenges for these women coming from simply by being a women, women of colour? Yeah, um, I, I just took it on board as, as to say, look, although we've been through uh, racism in different ways, um, you have Sanaya again, she talks about journalism and how hard it is mm. to break through in that field. She's really trying her best every time, but yet she can't get a breakthrough that she needs. And it's only the moment that she wants to push extra hard is when she actually gets a breakthrough. So again, she talks about that in the film. And um, I think all of us, we come together and we talk about the experiences. Even Gabrielle in the film, she talks about university and how she's had to be a part of a society to represent black women in the university um, field. And she's just using her voice to be a change in that field. And I'm, I'm proud. It's my first film that I've done. And Again, me being executive producer as well, there's not a lot of, I would say, black women are part of that sort of role. So I wanted to break that stereotype and say it's my first film, I'm going to be executive producer, <laughs> doesn't matter, it's my first project, and it's turned out to be fine and well. So again, it's about behind the scenes as well as on front of the scenes. What are we doing to break those negative stereotypes of black women yeah. and be a representation of change, really? And, and in that regard, I think you've definitely come to the right festival here because Bush, <laughs> terrific, um, Claire and Emmanuel yeah. are deeply passionate and deeply committed about what they do. So um, welcome home, I guess we can say. <laughs> Thank you. Fantastic. Surely, so a really personal story. So almost like <laughs> a... You, you almost like you've, you've found these, these tapes and these, um, these, these fragments from your earlier yes. life and yet you can start to now tell a story about who you are now tell us about sort of how that process came together in your head so first of all it became like in front of my eyes because i found the box the, the box of the cassettes and i like um arranged a nostalgic nostalgic evening with my friends and uh, we sat all together and 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 we was shocked like it was uh, it was too much for us uh, just for example, I'm uh, in in those cassettes. I'm the director, and um, there is a lot of rape scenes, and there is a lot of uh, sexual scenes. And uh, I use the camera to to express my sexuality, and um, and my friends was correct co correcting me with me. Sorry about my English. No, no, no. Those, in those times, like I talking once of once once in a while, and and, and then. I can't uh, be really good. So um, it's a group of five straight boys until today they are my best friends. And, uh, and this is the story about us, uh, about us making films. And, uh, and, and so the, in, in this uh, nostalgic evening, it was just 
in front of my eyes and, and I, I go to, the, to my studio and I edited in like three nights and um, that's it. And, and I, I started to send it to festivals and, 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 and it, it, it was great success. And after all this, all screenings in Israel, it's one of five prizes and five festivals. So, um, so I am oh, in every screening, after every screening, um, someone came over me and told me that he got also cassettes and he also like filmed himself as a child. And so I started my first feature documentary film, like a full length documentary film uh, about um, the whole generation, like, cause it's not only my story. It's a story of my generation that like, documented our closet our sexuality um, so so I, I begin in like in in, in in a film in Israel and, and find um, different stories in Israel for example uh, an ultra orthodox uh, transgender man that uh, that documented um, himself as a girl uh, becoming a boy. And um, so, so this is my my uh, project, the biggest project that I got now. <laughs> Fantastic, and it all kind of started spontaneously. Really spontaneously from those cassettes. Magnificent. <laughs> that came for me. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I'll be fascinated to see where the broader project goes as well. Yes. Brilliant. So, um, I'm going to ask what. The question could be, what part of your films are you most proud of? Or perhaps pride is not the right thing. Is there a sequence or some scenes within your film that you could describe to us that really epitomise the essence and, and what the core of your film is about? Is, are there any sequences like that, perhaps, Patrick? Uh, yeah, I think um, for me personally, I think the final scene of the film uh, really just shows how much Speedway means to people. And uh, it's it's the final match. Um, and, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but okay. it's like, it's like the mat it's, it's the last match of the season, basically for the Tigers. And uh, it's so kind of like most a, good sports documentaries do come to that. Yeah. Climax. It's kind of like a make or break uh, climax. And um it just totally there's there's a moment that I was really happy to have been able to achieve in the edit, uh, where it just kind of goes silent and, um, it, it, I just kind of wanted the audience to be hanging in that moment where you're just watching people in silence after such a roar of the the motorbike engines and a roar of the crowd and the noise that just people make just to cut to silence to watch their emotions. Uh, that's the thing that I'm most proud of. Um, right in the film great stefan is there a sequence within um the film that, that i think really these gets are... to the heart of what it is okay uh, for me i think it's probably like two um the the, the, the shower scene um I, I don't know maybe because i was in that tiny little the show even though it looks nice in the film but it was that small and me and my cinematographer are right we were like this and i'm like take it down feet this da -da, da -da. but what shocked me it was he was there under that shower for 30 minutes it almost felt like he doesn't know when next he's gonna go and that scenes always gets me it gets me emotionally each time I watch it in cinema. And a couple of the outside shots, you know, the, you know, when it comes to visual art, I love the smoke going in his face while he was outside and as he was talking. Um, and thus were shot done by my wonderful um, cinematographer, Aaron Green, who's incredible that he does things. And he got those shots just extra just by, while I was sorting other things while we're filming him. So those sequence, the shower scene and some of the ones outside, the outside is visually for me, um, but the essence of the story is definitely the shower scene. That really hit me as well, that he's about to be homeless in the next 30 minutes. Mm. And so that always gets me. But people yeah. identify more with the oh. close-ups. Interesting. Very, sounds very powerful. 
divine for you? I mean, as the, it was kind of coming to my turn, I was thinking, what scene, what scene, what scene? <laughs> Which one is it? Which one? <laughs> I really don't, I, I don't really know. But um, that's, that's, a, that's an absolutely valid answer. Um, that's a perfectly valid answer. We should see the thing in its entirety. Yeah, perhaps. Um, but I mean, if I'm forced to, then uh, there's one where my, my sister, I'm feeling my sister, I'm trying to get some kind of empathy with my situation in, in Switzerland. Yeah. Um, and your sister's still living in London? Yes, yes. And I actually, I, this is filmed in London. I, I kind of explained to her what the situation is. And I'm, I'm desperate in a way, trying to get some kind of understanding of what, what it's like. But as I said before, it's, it's different for, for everybody. But I was really trying to force her. And, and I said, she, she's talking, talking, talking away. And I, and I said, look, this is not a monologue. And then she just snaps, snaps, and she says, what do, you, what do you mean a monologue? And she just dresses me completely down and, yeah. and basically, um, and I, I zoom into her and capture her just going off. And it's, it's for me, it's, it's, a, it's a part of the film that is very, very, um, is very real. Yeah. And um, she's totally unapologetic about how she comes across. She just says, look, this is it. And I'm really grateful for her because it, it shows me that, it shows everyone that I was trying to compartmentalize everything and create this, this, this um, narrative. And um, the narrative was just taken out of my hands and, and it went somewhere else. And I, I was grateful for that because, and I included everything in it so that it would be raw and its own, have its own identity rather than something that I had com completely sculpted to my, um, yeah, to what I wanted it to be. It was kind of taken out of my hands and I think it makes it more authentic, the whole film. Yeah, fascinating and, and brilliant to get that bit of perhaps externality that you weren't able to bring mm, to yourself. Yeah. yeah. Sisters, you gotta love them. <laughs> and the subject of the sisters that Danielle filmed um, within within your project. So, were there any any scenes, any sequences, any stories in particular? I think mm -hmm. very interesting. Any stories that you think um, you know epitomise very well what you're trying to say? I have to say, I, I love all of the scenes. All of them are are good. Um, but I just want to especially say Keely's one was very powerful because she talks about her experience of growing up in a negative foster care system as well as what her mum did to her from the age of two. And oh my gosh, a lot of people have told me that that particular scene in particular, all the scenes are beautiful, but that one made them really cry because her mum did a lot of stuff to her when she was young and it makes me want to cry now. <laughs> yeah. But um, that was really powerful. And again, her now being an advocate for change to speak up on behalf of vulnerable kids in foster care and trying to change that is everything and I love the scene at the end as well when we all hug and we all embrace each other and we all just laugh that's what we should be doing as, as women of colour not tearing each other down but pulling each other up and encouraging each other along the way you know and along our journeys and as you see it on the camera it's exactly how it was behind the scenes as well Behind the scenes, the whole day went really perfect. We were laughing behind the scenes, talking about things that girls do. Yeah. <laughs> and just having a good time. Um, nothing went wrong that day. So we, we were encouraging each other behind the scenes as well as on camera. And I, that's what I love. It goes hand in hand together. So those two are my favourite scenes. Yeah. That, I mean, that sounds, that sounds fantastic in that if you've got that energy behind the camera, yeah. um, it's almost as if you know you're becoming a part of that story too, and that that enthusiasm and infectiousness yeah. um, comes across massively. Indeed. <laughs> Surely, within your within your film, is there a sequence? So it's, yeah, it's kind of hard to be proud. Um, of the scene that you took in like the age of twelve. <laughs> I, I, so so I'm gonna say that I, I I'm proud of my voiceover in, in the in the film. Because um, because I did it really intuitive, I just came, I, I watched the the footage, and I talked to the like uh, cheap microphone that I got in the studio, 
Yeah. And then in, in, in the mix sound, I, I didn't want to re-record it because uh, it was a scene. The, the voiceover and the dramatic tone of me over there and, and, and it was a mood that I can like act again. So I think that uh, this is kind of thing of a scene that, that there isn't in, in the film. Great, great. Okay. Um, wow, we're talking very well here, um, but we've still got time. Let's go around and see what's next for everyone. Patrick, what's next for you? Um, well, this this kind of was my first feature-length documentary um, that I've done. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it was, yeah, it was great. I, I loved it. Um, and I fil filmed and ever edited everything myself, which was amazing experience for me. But it kind of just gave me the bug to make another feature film. Um, and I think for my next project, uh, I would like to do a fiction scripted feature feature length film. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm working on at the minute and hoping to do something with that in, in 2021. Fantastic. Stefan, two questions. What next for you? What next for Mr. Siddiqui? To watch it. <laughs> Good answer. You need to watch it. Good answer. What next for you? That's answered um, in there as well. No, 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 no. Um, I've, 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 while traveling with um, deleted, I uh, started writing the next film, Reshaped. Um, we've already started filming during the lockdown. Three quarters of the film is done. Um, and Reshaped is exploring you know it's a film it's no longer a documentary um a short um we've got BAFTA breakthrough artist Bifa nominee and all of that Vicky Knight from Dirty God she's starring and leading here um it, and it looks at it looks at how men deal with rejection which you don't often spark from love using comedy suspense I'm trying this film to go the opposite to delete it completely and also exploring masculinity within the black community as well, was femininity, but also the modern day dating. And it's bought people who met online and they bought to settle for, and they bought settle for a plastic friend. It's got some sci-fi going on here. Okay, so, fantastic. Yeah, so it's totally, um, it's gonna be short this time around, probably 10 minutes properly, um, small, compressed, more structured properly and, um, yeah, I'm excited. Um, we've got a big scene coming through to film, which is giving us headache, but we'll get it done hopefully in January, February. Yeah. To finalize it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Reshape coming next. Divine, what's the next story you want to tell? Um, I wish I could be as organized and as uh, busy as Stefan. Um, I, I have absolutely no idea. One thing that the... Um, uh, this COVID situation has brought home to me is the unpredictability of, of life. You can plan all you want and then and then something can happen that just yeah. blows everything away. Ain't that the truth? So, yeah, yeah I, I haven't got anything planned. Um, I mean, I have got a few things planned, but I it's just, they're all kind of, I'm juggling them and they're all up in the air at the moment. I haven't caught any of them just yet. So, okay. Um, I've got a, a kind of a business that's on the on the boil. I've just started it, and it's um, it's basically uh, looking at uh, culture and identity. And it's the film is kind of it's it's kind of made me think about other opportunities rather than running away from situations that are quite difficult just sticking in there and trying to see whether I can learn from the experience and also impart whatever I've learned to to others in in similar situations so I'm going to try and give something from the experience that I I've, I've had but I would like to do Absolutely. also do something creative anything I do has to be a little bit creative so um, I'm also available so um, I write music, I make films. So if you guys need some help, want to collaborate, I'm here. Danielle, what are you working on? So I'm working on another film project, but this time it's going to talk about parents who have 
uh, premature babies to speak up and share their stories based on my journey of being born premature, weighing a pound, and my parents um, just being by my side whilst my, my life 23 years ago, I wanted to just use that as inspiration just to say, look, um, why not do something else for parents who are premature babies? And anybody mm -hmm. 18 and above who has been through a personal story of being yeah. born really tiny, like myself. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> um, I was a month premature myself, so I was very tiny, so I can relate to that. Oh. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> um, yes, uh, so it's, it's something which I feel is very important and needed at this moment in time because I used to be an ambassador for King's College Hospital in Dulwich, the premature baby ward. So every year I would go back and meet parents of Tiny Tots and speak to them and, and just get an insight into their Tiny Tots journey, inspect the incubators Brilliant. and that sort of thing. So again, I could just do a short documentary on that and, and how are the staff coping throughout COVID and how have they been at this moment in time and how the parents have been coping throughout COVID so again it's something that I'm working on at the moment yeah. and something that I will launch in 2021. Which which once again seems to have a theme of you know facing cha facing challenges yes and, and then overcoming them in, in a deeply positive way and yeah. you sound quite excited about it as well in, Very. A, in, a, in, a, in an enjoyable interpersonal way so it sounds sounds like a, yes. an enjoyable project to be making as, as well as an important one. It is, it is. <laughs> Great. And surely you've already touched on this. So expanding your, your experience and your, your knowledge of how to work with this kind of found footage stuff. Tell us more. Yeah, my, my life is kind of uh, my research. I'm, I'm go everywhere in Israel for, for a start and, and search for cassettes, talk to a lot of LGBTQ uh, men and women and, and, and collect their, their cassettes, their own footage. Um, and talk to them and find uh, characters um, and, and I hope to, to, to do it also abroad, not only in Israel and, and, to, and to go to, to do my thing in other countries and uh, search for uh, mini DV cassettes of LGBTQ members. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, well this has been a fantastic conversation. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Great to learn where everybody's coming from creatively. Um, and hopefully you know, this will be some useful background when the audience get out and, and or not get out, when they stay in and fire up Apple TV and, and watch your films on the Buff platform. Um, quick one, let's, so let's round up. Uh, where can we find you, whether that's website, social? Where's a good way to get you, Patrick? Uh, yeah, so uh, Facebook, just search for In The Red Documentary Film. Um, Instagram, Twitter, it's just In The Red Doc uh so yeah just have a look fire me up and and uh yeah it's been amazing getting to hear about all, all of your guys films and the background and everything uh, i can't wait to watch them all great stefan um yeah you can either find me stefan underscore pierre underscore on social media twitter instagram facebook or the deleted um social media which is deleted underscore doc doc twitter instagram facebook and also one more thing i wanted to stress uh, after i was waiting for the british film festival and this is my last last stop as we've been traveling all year um but the film will be released on itunes apple amazon and what i've decided is to collaborate with the evening standard newspaper homeless fund right. so when people are watching it and his words are now donating everything to the homeless funds with the Evening Standard. There will be more publications coming up. But I would have released it a long ago, but I'm just waiting till we finish with Buff. And yeah. then with my, my marketing team, more likely, I think we just spoke before you came on, we came on, um, that it will be probably first week of January because we're still waiting for Buff. So we just want to make sure that we screen it here uh, finally. But hopefully people that hasn't seen it will be able to, to support the cause of the Evening Standard Homeless Fund because it's related to that. Fantastic. So you can people will be able to find that by yes. those VOD platforms yeah. or via your social. Um, yes. Just giving us the links to right there. Divine, for you. I'm invisible. <laughs> I don't know where you can find me. I've, as I mentioned earlier, I've got a business which I just started. It's called Kultur Bridge. K-U-L-T-U-R. And then uh -huh. Bridge dot c h and that's um sorry dot com 
and that's a business I've started. Um, I wish I could say Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I have a face, Facebook account, but I'm just really, I'm yeah. just really there. I'm just not one of these social media people. And it's it's suicide. still not mandatory. Don't worry. It's suicide for a filmmaker. But I mean, I'm very, very stubborn. Um, if you look hard enough, you can find me. But um, I have to come out of my stubbornness and uh, uh, just reconnect Got in it. this way that I, I disapprove of. <laughs> but anyway. But if we want to reach out to you, we'll, we can do it via yes. Culture Bridge. Yes. Fantastic. Danielle? So you guys can find me on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Danielle Vassell. So Danielle, and then it's B for victory, A-double-S-E-double-L. So no spaces or dots, just Danielle Vassell. Yeah, Danielle Vassell. <laughs> Fantastic. Surely? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Here I, I had to pronounce, so I read uh, it here. Perfect. It's Shaul Men. And uh, if you found yourself in my film, please call me and tell me. I, I will love to talk with you. Right. So that's how you do it. People of the audience, this is how you can watch these films. That'll all be announced on the Buff website, where and how you can access these films via their festival screenings. You've just heard how you can reach out and connect with these filmmakers, every single one of them telling important, personal, socially significant stories. Um, there's a lot to get through here, and it's an absolute privilege to have everybody here at British Urban Film Festival 2020. So... Thank you all for attending the panel. It's been great talking to you. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.